who won the Battle of Sugar Hill, and which contest in Swanee will be our game of the week. This and more coming up on the Gwinnett Daily Post Football Friday podcast. Carriage Kia in Gainesville and Woodstock has up to $6,000 in rebates right now during the summer sticker event. New 2019 Optima, Sorento, Sportage, Stinger, and Forte. 66 months, 0% for qualified buyers only at Carriage Kia, Gainesville, and Woodstock. It's Friday, October 16th, 2020. Welcome to the Gwinnett Daily Post Football Friday podcast. I'm your host, Marcel Pertut, and joined by Gwinnett Daily Post sports editor, Will Hammett. How are you doing today, Will? I'm uh, doing great. How about you? Doing well, doing well. As we record this show, fingers crossed uh, and wouldn't, would not, we're going to have a lot of football taking place over the next few days, so very excited about that. So let's get started. Today's top story is brought to you by Peggy Slappy Properties. Well, before we go to our games coming up this Friday, let's recap last week. It was also a very big week on the field. I'll start off with the Battle of Sugar Hill, as we coined it last week in our game of the week. Dekula able to emerge with a 28-27 victory over Lanier. Uh, let's go to uh, Dekula. Once again, it seemed like the Caleb Edwards show three total TDs to uh, lead the team to a victory. Yeah, Caleb Edwards, is, uh, he was the state player of the week by the uh, by, by some guys that, that picked that. And uh, just, a, just a great effort by him. Every game this year he's produced uh, on both sides of the ball. He plays Heavy, heavy minutes on the, in the secondary and then turns around and carries the ball a lot and catches the ball on offense. He had uh, 18 carries for 174 yards and a couple of touchdowns, uh, two catches for 83 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Georgia Tech's getting a big-time player in Caleb, and he was definitely a, probably a difference maker in this game. You show some love to Lanier as well. Reese Scott, their junior wide receiver, was your offensive player of the week. What led to that decision and describe his night? Yeah, he was a big-time playmaker as well. Lanier kind of got it done through the air. Uh, Dekula kind of gets it done more with the running game. But a, a great night throwing the ball by the Falcons, uh, by the uh, Longhorns. Free Scott had kind of a break breakout game there. And uh, Andrew Black for the quarterback had a big night, 17 out of 27 passing, 300-plus uh, yards and a couple of touchdowns. And uh, Aaron Prom also had a good game, a couple four passes for 86 yards for Lanier. Uh, so this, this is a, it was a good test for Lanier, and they, uh, they almost captured the uh, – the, the win that they've been looking for in the region. It's been Dekula and Lanier battling out in that region the last four years. And uh, uh, Dekula's won most of those games pretty handily. Uh, and this was the closest that, that Lanier has come to, to winning that game and, and very nearly pulled it off, which, which would have given, given them a good leg up in that region. For sure. Grayson with a 20-13 to 13 victory over Mill Creek. I'm going to get to the national polls in a moment, but this was a close one for Grayson. They stayed undefeated, uh, but Mill Creek gave them a very good run in this contest. Yeah, it was, it was the toughest game that, that they faced all year. I mean, Grayson's been kind of steamrolling uh, for the most part. Archer gave him a pretty good battle for a while, but Grayson was able to pull away late. But uh, Grayson was never able to pull away from, from Mill Creek in this one. Just uh, uh, had a really tough battle. They were, uh, Mill Creek's kind of kind of a smaller team, kind of maybe on paper looked overmatched in a lot of areas. Um, and Grayson's big. they got the 225-pound running back in Phil Moffa. And uh, just a great effort, particularly on defense, by the Mill Creek Hawks to to keep this game close, and they almost found enough offense to pull off uh, probably the uh, what would have been the upset of the year so far in the state. I was talking with a few people last night about the high school football rankings, and I guess they said in some of the rankings Grayson may have fell in the national polls or things along those lines. One, do coaches look at that stuff as far as the, the rankings and uh, acknowledge it? And two, 
is how, how tough is it to compare? It's hard enough ranking classifications here in the state of Georgia, uh, but how tough is it just to do it on a national level when you have teams like Grayson and, and many others around just the state of Georgia and around the country that you have to compare? Yeah, I think it's pretty difficult. I mean, it's, it's a lot even to even rank the teams in Georgia. That's that's a lot of teams you got to keep up with. A lot of teams you got to know about. Um, and, and nationally, they're they're kind of looking at scores and they're they're seeing that Grayson got got a test from a team that's now two and two. Uh, but obviously, Mill Creek's a traditional power too, and uh, it, it was a very tough win for Grayson, a good win for Grayson. But um, I think those national polls are really tough. But they're they go a lot on how many Division One recruits you have on your team, and, and certainly Grayson has a ton of those. So that's why going into the season, Grayson had a uh, it's such a high ranking because they have so much talent, college-level talent on that team. Uh, whether that translates to wins and victories and state championships uh, remains to be seen as the, the season plays out. It is still high school football, so you never know how it's going to play out. Grayson's not going to be handed the state championship this year, but just because they have a lot of uh, college-level talent. So they have to go out there and beat some pretty good teams, and uh, they certainly have the capability to do that. I think it's a national TV factor as well. We saw Lowndes and Valdosta. I know they're not in, in Gwinnett. Uh, but they were on the national TV playing, and I think that's that's a factor. Now, Grayson does get their moment, and I think in the next week or two uh, when they play Parkview, do you think that's a factor as well that once people see if Grayson or Parkview, for that matter, maybe uh, they can uh, get a win, do you think that'll kind of have the rumblings of people unhappy with the national rankings? Maybe they move up a little bit more because they'll be seen by more folks? Yeah, I think that's probably the case because the, the – People that are picking these national polls don't see Grayson play week in and week out, and uh, they're going by more of the highlights they see or the, the stats they read or what kind of what the kids have done that are the high-profile recruits. So if they see Grayson put on a performance that's dominating on, on uh, national TV, it's certainly going to give them a boost, I think, in the, the national polls because the, the folks voting on the national polls will, will see that and kind of give them a little boost. One team that had a very high-profile matchup and emerged with the win was Brookwood, able to defeat the defending state champions Marietta, fifty-six to forty-two. So high-scoring affair uh, for the the Broncos in that one. Yeah, they, they may still be scoring. I don't know. It's a pretty <laughs> impressive game. I saw that score was forty-two to twenty-one at halftime, and then it was uh, uh, that was pretty crazy. I was wondering how many points they were going to score. Defense has kind of kind of slowed it up a little better in the uh, in the second half. I think Brookwood kind of went more to the run game as well after putting some, some huge numbers up there in the first half. But that Brookwood offense just continues to roll. It's, a, it's an impressive group, and uh, they're starting to mix in the run game as well. Uh, they've obviously thrown the ball really well all year, and uh, that run game's really picked up lately in the last couple of games. That gives them a pretty good boost uh, going in this week. But that defense, I think, still needs to kind of kind of shore up some, some games, uh, some play there. They're, they've given up uh, 28 or more in four of their five games, so I'm sure they like to play a little, well, little bit better on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, the offense is certainly rolling right along. Buford's in a new region, a new classification, but they kept rolling, emerging with a 51-0 victory in their contest on Friday. Yeah, Buford's the last three games after slipping up in that opening game to losing to North Cobb. It's kind of been, kind of been rolling along for Buford, Gabe Irvin, Irvin and uh, Victor Venn, both uh, went over 100 yards, uh, well over 100 yards on a couple touchdowns each in this game. And a lot of that was because of the offensive front. Uh, T.J. Lowe, I think, led the way there with a 92% blocking grade, uh, eight knockdown blocks. Uh, got a good game out of kicker Alejandro Mata. He banged in a 48-yard field goal, which is a, just another weapon for a Buford team that's always going to be stout on offense and defense. I was actually we we do a lot of shows uh, with uh, in our partnership, and I was able to get a preview of the 
Cobb Football Friday podcast, and one of their guests was Shane Queen from North Cobb, and he was very complimentary of North Gwinnett, who defeated North Cobb this past week, 16 to nothing. And uh, Caden McDonald, when I say his name right, uh, Caden McDonald had a lot of great things to say about that sophomore defensive lineman. He was your player of the week, but dominant performance for the man and for the young man. And uh, just discuss him and his emergence as becoming a not only one of the best players in the state, but getting a lot of attention nationally for his development. Yeah, he's a big time player. I mean, he's just a sophomore, but he's he's what six four, three hundred pounds, three hundred plus pounds. So, uh, had three sacks in this game, and was certainly just a major force. Uh, his teammate Justin Watson had six tackles and three sacks. So, between those guys, they really caused a lot of havoc for that North Cobb offense. And, and North Gwinnett's going to play really, really good defense. They've already shut down two top ten teams this this year, and in, uh, in North Cobb and Parkview uh, with shutouts. So that just says what kind of defense this group has. They're uh, they got a boost this past week. Barrett Carter, the linebacker from Clemson, he came back and had a couple of tackles for loss and a sack. And uh, and this week they should get back Jordan Hancock, a uh, cornerback who's uh, committed to Ohio State. So they're only going to get better on that defensive side of the ball. And, and when that offense catches up, it's, uh, it's North Gwinnett team's going to be tough to beat. And a big play in that one was a fake field goal. And I guess a, a Jason Gillum, a Gilliam, had the caught the touchdown pass uh, on that play. So special teams are also a big factor in that contest. Yeah, Jason's a pretty important player for North Carolina. He does a lot on both sides of the ball and on special teams. He's, uh, he's already had some highlight plays early in the season, and that certainly that was a big big play in this game. And, and uh, North Carolina's kind of uh, doing a little, doing some things differently to just kind of spark some uh, spark some points. They've been able to, unable to score uh, very well this year with, with all they lost on offense. But I'm sure that, that part of the game is going to come around. Another offense that's ro- rolling right now is Norcross, 52-14 to victory over Meadow Creek. Yeah, Norcross has been great so far. That's kind of what we expected out of Norcross with all the kids they had coming back from last year, one of the more experienced teams uh, from last year. They had a pretty good team last year as well. Uh, Mason Kaplan continues to impress a quarterback. He was solid 9 out of 15, 153 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Zion Alexander was all over the place again. He had a 40-yard run. He caught a touchdown uh, pass and, and played well on defense. And then uh, Caleb Jackson in the running game, he scored a couple touchdowns. But, the Norcross offense is rolling, and you know Norcross is always going to play great defense, and that was the case again in this one. The exciting thing, about we've, we've been talking so much about Gwinnett football, obviously the Gwinnett uh, Football Friday podcast, but DeKalb County has finally started to play some games, and we're starting to see some non-region contests, different classifications. Parkview uh, took advantage of that, played Tucker, and a, a strong team from that part of the state, and emerged with a 38-33 victory. Yeah, that, that score kind of surprised me. I Tucker really hung in there with Parkview. I thought Parkview might win this one a little more handily, but uh, a great effort by by Tucker early in, early in their season to kind of kind of get a nice uh, spark going forward. But, but uh, Parkview give credit to Parkview for coming back or for hanging in there and winning this game. Uh, they had a couple hundred yard rushers in this game. Cody Brown and Tyler Curtis that one two punch they have at running back both went over 100 yards. Uh, Colin Hout, the young quarterback, threw for almost 250 yards and a couple of scores. So they did enough offensively to hold on. And I think uh, the Part B defense would obviously like to play a little better. But Tucker's got a lot of weapons over there. And Greater Atlanta Christian able to defeat Westminster in a, a very strong performance, 28-6. to uh, Damon Fleming, three TD passes, rushed for a lot of yardage as well. Uh, what about him being a strong, uh, multifaceted quarterback for the Spartans? Yeah, Damon's had a great year. He seems to just be steady week in and week out. He's a, he's a very smart kid, very well-liked kid over there, and uh, does a great job managing the game and, and making plays. Uh, threw for 200 more yards this past week and three touchdowns, also rushed for 63. Uh, Will Hardy caught a couple of those touchdown passes. Josh Williamson caught a touchdown. 
But I think the defense for GAC did, did just as well. Uh, they just continue to play at a high level. Uh, Thomas Lohman, uh, Noah Dees, and Hudson Higgins kind of led that group this past week. Uh, great effort by the Spartans on both sides of the ball, and it's a great rivalry they have with with Westminster, so I know they're happy to get a win. Yeah, whenever you see Greater Atlanta Christian, Westminster, Pace, Love It, all those uh, private schools in the between 2A and 3A classifications, they always put together a good contest. Archer took care of business in a dominant way over Dunwoody in region play, 49 to nil or 49 nothing in a victory. Yeah, well, it was a great effort by the Tigers. They kind of dominated in this one. It was a good uh, good day for the uh, the Tiger defense. They they shut down Dunwoody, and it was, uh, it was a nice way to get some young kids in the game, too. I know a lot of the starters over at Archer uh, only played a half. Uh, Jose Quezada played really well on defense. He had seven tackles, three for losses, and a sack. Uh, Edwin Mangual continues to play well in the secondary. He had three pass breakups. So just a uh, excellent effort by both those kids and by the Archer defense. And then the offense really got going, too. Shamari Campbell had another 100-yard uh, game, 135 yards, and a couple touchdowns. Very competitive game between East Coweta and Collins Hill. Uh, Collins Hill came up short 24-17, to but a highly contested contest, and I'm sure that Collins Hill can look back on and because East Coweta is a very strong team itself, a state-ranked and a very competitive contest overall. Yeah, Collins Hill's kind of had a kind of a bit of a roller coaster season. They, they look like uh, had a chance to beat Grayson there, uh, played Grayson into the fourth quarter, and then uh, poor Grayson was able to pull away. But Collins Hill's uh, had some great games and had some, some some so-so games where they made some mistakes they'd like to have back and uh, didn't maybe didn't play their best. So this was this was one of those games. But not, don't take anything away from East Coweta. John Small, uh, longtime South Gwinnett coaches down there at East Coweta, and he's got his kids playing well. They had a young team. Last year, but they're really starting to come around this year and they're playing some great football, and it was a, a great win for, for East Coweta to get in their belt early in the season. Christian Barker, three touchdown rushes and also intercepted the ball for Shiloh, uh, but they came up short as a team against Westlake 50-35. to 35. Yeah, it was, it was a great game by Barker. It's kind of a, a weird game for Shiloh. They've, they've, uh, they've been great defensively for the most part, so to, to have a high-scoring loss like this, I think that kind of shows the talent that Westlake has on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, Shiloh definitely competitive in this one, had a chance to win this game, and uh, also had some good good efforts defensively. I know they gave a lot of points, but Ahmad Edwards had 15 tackles, three for losses, and a couple of sacks. Uh, Marquise Hepburn, 11 tackles, uh, three pass breakups and an interception. So still some positives to take out of the game for Shiloh. And lastly in our recap, uh, Hebron Christian fell to Athens Academy 35-7. to yeah, it was a tough matchup for any time any, in any of the Class A teams play Athens Academy. I think that they're the number one team right now with good reason. Athens Academy's deep and loaded, and, uh, and they're going to be tough to beat in that, at that level. And I think you saw that with Hebron losing 35-7 in that one. Uh, just uh, continue to get a good play from Jack Luttrell the, out of Hebron, the coach's son. He had three catches for uh, 60 yards and a touchdown. He had ten tackles on defense. He punted, punted nine times, putting three of those inside the 20. So they're asking him to do a lot, and, and, and he's delivered. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Ethan Burroughs had, had a good game, eight tackles and, uh, and one for loss. But some positives to take out of that game for Hebron, uh, but a, a tough task for anybody that's going to play Athens Academy this year. Two region contests will be our games of the week and more on the Gwinnett Daily Post Football Friday podcast. Stick around. Hey, guys, it's Amanda Lee, your local host and Gwinnett native. 2020 has been a different year for sure, but if the time has come for you and your family to buy, sell, or rent a new home, Peggy Slappy Properties is here to help. Peggy and her team have been in Gwinnett and surrounding areas for 38 years now, helping folks just like you and me. Peggy and her team are a little different. Her team of 35-plus realtors realize that fostering strong relationships within the community is the key to their business. Peggy's team of professionals can work with you regardless of circumstance. 
residential homes, new homes, rentals, with listings all over the county. In today's climate, you hear a lot of noise from others on how they can help you. The difference is, at Peggy Slappy Properties, they're buying and selling for neighbors, family, and friends. Don't you believe you'll get the most value from a team that knows the lay of the land? Visit Peggy Slappy Properties online at psponline.com or give them a call 24-7 at 770-271-5555. Peggy delivers the very best in Gwinnett and Georgia real estate because you deserve no less. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Gwinnett Daily Post Football Friday podcast. We're joined once again by Gwinnett Daily Post sports editor Will Hammock. Let's discuss our games of the week. You switched it up on us, Will. Usually we have uh, one game, but now we have two. But I can see the reasons why when we look at the slate. It's the uh, region opener, actually, for all four of local teams in Class 7A Region 8. Let's start with Peachtree Ridge. They finally get back on the field as they face Collins Hill. Yeah, Peachtree Ridge had the two-week quarantine for uh, for the COVID violation or for the COVID issues, and uh, just just nice to see Peachtree Ridge get back on the field. They were playing such good football early in the season, had some momentum going. Uh, still take an undefeated record into this one, into the region opener against Collinsville team. Like we said, that's, that's very talented and has looked like uh, a state championship contender at times, and at other times uh, kind of faced some tough battles. But uh, I think this is looking to be an interesting matchup. Peachtree Ridge has a lot of momentum. Uh, I think Collinsville probably has too many weapons uh, and just too stout on the defensive line uh, for Peachtree Ridge to, to get an upset here. But I, I think Collinsville with the win, but definitely interesting. It's going to be important for one of these teams to get a leg up in what's going to be a difficult region. Through no, no fault of their own, Peachtree Ridge was off for the past few weeks for COVID-related issues with their opponents and scheduling and everything like that. Uh, how does the coaching staff get their team stay fresh and focused and ready over this span? Did you – do you ha- hear any word from the staff about how they kept the guys up and not motivated, but up and active, just staying fresh and sharp uh, during their sabbatical? Yeah, I think it was kind of just uh, uh, a little bit like they're kind of they're kind of used to it. This, this year's been so weird; they've they've done it before, and uh, I don't think there's, there are too many things you can throw curveballs now that they've already experienced this year at some point with COVID and, and the weird year and all the all things that it's brought. So. I think the kids have been been doing well, staying sharp, staying focused, and uh, and I think they're ready to go, ready to play. It's it's going to be an exciting football game. I think it comes down to uh, an interesting matchup with uh, Peachtree Ridge offensive line. It is big, and it's kind of what they lean on. And uh, the console defensive line is very good. Uh, so the, the matchup there is going to be interesting to watch as this one plays out. Staying in that same region, region opener for both squads here. North Gwinnett faces Mill Creek, a really strong battle for two teams looking to get started on the right foot in region play. Yeah, I think this is going to be the opposite of the Brookwood Marietta game. I think we're going to, the points are going to be very hard to come by in this one. Both these teams are very good on the defensive side of the ball. We, we already talked about what North Gwinnett's done there, but you saw what Mill Creek did last last week to a very talented Grayson team and kind of held them in check uh, throughout the game. It's not it's not a very big Mill Creek defense, but they're very athletic and they, they fly around to the ball. And uh, It's going to be an interesting matchup. North Gwinnett's going to have to try and drum up some offense and, and really anybody that's played Played North Gwinnett all year, had trouble scoring, so Mill Creek's going to really have time, tough time getting any offense going on, on their own right. So it's going to be interesting to see which team uh, plays better offensively. I think that's what, it, what it's going to come down to, who can sneak some points uh, out offensively to pull out a low-scoring win. Definitely. Let's transition to Class 7A Region 4, region opener for both teams. That's a big theme for a lot of our previews, either region opener or only the second region game for a lot of these squads. Uh, let's go to uh, South Gwinnett versus Grayson, a uh, teams that are looking to once again start off very well in region play. 
yeah, it'd be inter- I'm sure Grayson's going to want to get going and play a little better than it did last week against Mill Creek and, and kind of get a more comfortable win. I think they probably will this week. Uh, South Gwinnett's played great early in the season, had some, some good results, uh, certainly when they played a top team against Norcross, they had a tough time. So I think it's probably going to happen again against Grayson. They're kind of overmatched in a lot of ways. So I look for the Rams to get a comfortable win here. Can't look ahead, though. South Gwinnett can uh, bring some tough competition. Parkview can't look ahead as well because, obviously, Grayson and Parkview are going to meet in the next week or two. Is it actually next week or the week after? I should get well, – when do they meet up? Is it next yeah, week? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's next week. Yeah, next week, the nationally televised game on ESPN and everything like that. But Parkview opens region play against Newton, so they have to be prepared for that contest. Yeah, it's going to be good. Newton, you can't overlook Newton. They've been playing some great defense this year, and uh, they always have a ton of athletes down there. It's going to be a, a challenging for that Parkview offense, but there's a lot of weapons on that Parkview offense. So, uh, I think you're going to see some talented kids on both sides of the field uh, in this game. It's going to be fun to watch, but I look for the Panthers to come out with a win and, uh, and get rolling. Brookwood makes the trip to Mountain View uh, for a contest uh, upcoming. Yeah, this, this one's interesting because uh, Mountain View's new head coach, uh, John Poitament, was – uh, Brooke was defensive coordinator the last several years, so the staff know each other really well. I have a lot of friends. Coach Boyd has a lot of friends over there in the Brookwood staff, so it's going to be an interesting game uh, for the coaches, personal, uh, personally uh, tied to this game. And uh, look for look for it to be an interesting game. Coach Boyd kind of knows what Brookwood wants to do on offense, but I think there's too many weapons over there on the Brookwood side offensively, and I look for the Broncos to get the win. We've been discussing for weeks how strong Norcross has been playing, and they're still undefeated. They actually are going to play in a region class 7a region 7 contest there a region foe in a Burkmar uh, coming up this weekend yeah i think the uh, norcross is going to really uh, overmatch Burkmar and this one Burkmar's kind of really been struggling this year they lost a couple of first first couple of games to covid and really struggled to find their footing so far uh, in the season and this is not a, not a good game to kind of find your footing norcross is loaded and and has a lot of experienced players. Uh, hopefully, Burt Mark can make this competitive for a while, but I think uh, Norcross just has uh, too much talent over there and uh, is playing really well right now. Staying in the same region, Discovery, they're looking to stay undefeated in that region as they face Duluth, a, a local battle there in Gwinnett. Yeah, Discovery won that game last last year. I think Duluth's been playing a lot better this year. So this this is one of the more interesting games to, of the week to me. It's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a, a battle between two teams that are. They're definitely playoff contenders in their region, and the and Discovery was to win this, and that would be huge early in the in the, in the season to get kind of pushed towards their first playoff berth. Uh, Duluth has been forever since they made the playoffs. So if they win this game, it's going to give them a nice a nice boost. It's going to be a close game, and it's kind of a, a flip, flip coin flip game for me. I think both these teams are uh, capable of winning this one. And we talked about Archer and their dominance over Dunwoody, and they're looking to stay undefeated in the region as they face uh, Meadow Creek. Yeah, I think they'll get a little bit more challenge out of Meadow Creek. Uh, Dun- I would Dun- think so. Meadow Creek's a little bit. <laughs> Dunwoody's yeah, uh, Dun- 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 yeah, they they should. <laughs> I, would, I would think so. But <laughs> no, Dun- Dunwoody's actually it's a it's a very good school and a, a nice program. But they've had their struggles uh, in this region against Gwinnett teams, and Archer took advantage of that last week. But yeah, Meadow Creek, I think, will give them a, a little bit more of a challenge uh, coming up for sure. Yeah, Meadow Creek has some talent over there. I think it's going to be it'll be close for a while. I think Archer's really starting to get it rolling though. They, they came in with some inexperience, but it's a program that's used to winning and it's won a lot of games. And, uh, and I think they're really getting rolling at the right time of the season. I, I still think that region comes down to the Archer Norcross game for the, the region championship. So I think uh, Archer gets the win here. I would tend to agree with that. But a region that I was not, not too familiar with, because but a lot of movement in it. We're, we're talking about Class 6A Region 8 with uh, Buford moving in there and just a lot of shakeup. 
It's a uh, well. We'll start with Buford. Uh, we talked about their their dominance. They're looking to stay undefeated in region play. They make the trip to Havisham Central, so they uh, go cross county lines to uh, continue their region play. Yeah, so Buford's kind of in that new region, so they're going to be playing some new new opponents. It's been a long time since they played Habersham, and uh, it'd be an interesting game. It's it's tough, a lot tougher to play Habersham at Habersham than it is. Uh, down in Gwinnett, so it's a road trip up there, and it's, it's a, a challenging trek. place to play. Have you ever it made is, Have is. you ever made that trip for business or or pleasure or just driving around the state? It is a people talk about South Georgia and those long trips, and they're long. Trips to that part of the state are surprisingly long as well. So uh, Buford definitely will have to uh, pack their bags and maybe get a, get a nap in the, on the bus uh, on the way there. But going back to the game, it, it, Buford, I know they. Beaver's been a very interesting program because they've been different classifications. They have a unique setup with their enrollments and everything like that. But it looks like moving up to 6A has not really stopped them uh, as far as their success so far. Yeah, it's, it's been great so far. It's certainly going to be more challenging when it gets into the state playoffs, but I think you got to look at Beaufort as being one of the teams to beat in that region with DeCule and Lanier. They're, those three teams are going to be right up there at the top. Uh, Beaufort's played well, like you said, early in the season. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, Buford's changed so much over the years. I think uh, back in the mid '90s, when I first started writing about about Buford, they were they had 29 kids on the varsity football team, and were a Class A school. So just the growth around there, how much the school's grown and the, the attendance has grown, to see them being a 6A school, that, that's a lot of change in the last 20 years uh, around there. But through each classification, as, as it grows and grows, Buford just continues to win. So it'll be interesting to see how how it goes in 6A. You mentioned Dekula, uh, another team that uh, is is growing. They're looking to stay undefeated in the region as they face Winder Barrow. Yeah, Dekula looks good in this one. I think uh, I think it's, a, it's a definitely going to be not going to be an easy game. Uh, Winder Barrow's got some good good kids over there, but I think Dekula's got just too many weapons. They're they're starting to play great when it counts the most. Uh, that was a great win last week. That kind of gave them some momentum early in region play. Uh, they they've been tested against some of the top teams in the state in non region play. So I think uh, I think you're looking at a Dekula team that's ready to get on a roll, and uh, it's going to be an inter- interesting game when uh, when Dekula and Buford meet in region play. I think so. And rounding out the region is Central Gwinnett versus Shiloh. Both teams looking for their first region win of the season. Yeah, they're they're kind of uh, the newcomers to this region as well. They both dropped down from from the 7A level down to 6A. Uh, their their attendance is down a little bit, so that that kind of get got them to that level. But I think hopefully it'll make them both more competitive to have to play these uh, 7A behemoths. Uh, and and this is an interesting matchup for both of them. I think this could be a competitive game. These teams match up fairly evenly, I think. Uh, Shiloh's had a little bit more success, I think, more positives early in the season. Uh, Central Gwinnett's taken some lumps here and there. Uh, I think I think I'm going to give the edge to Shiloh in a close game, but I, I think it's going to be a very exciting game in region play. Definitely will be. GAC, Greater Atlanta Christian, they face Douglas, one of my favorite teams in the state because there are two S's in Douglas. Uh, but it's a re- Class 3A Region 5 contest, so... Kind of a different opponent for GAC, but they're looking to Spartans are looking to stay undefeated in their uh, new region setup. Yeah, GAC's got a role, and like we said earlier in the season, they're, they're facing a Douglas team that's pretty good on defense, uh, but it's only only scored nine points through its th- first three games. So Douglas is going to have to find some offense, and, and that's going to be very tough against a GAC defense that's been really stout uh, throughout the season, uh, starting with that opening game against uh, Denmark, and really haven't stopped since then. Really been that dominating effort by the GAC defense. So. Uh, I don't see Douglas being able to score a lot of points on this one. I look for the Spartans to uh, stay unbeaten. They should be. And 
What is it? And my final three matchups are are three private schools from Gwinnett facing three private schools from Athens. What is it about Athens and the private schools that they they do so much <laughs> of that and in Gwinnett also? But let's start off with a Wesleyan versus a- Athens Academy. I say to Wesleyan, it seems like every game that they play is a future playoff matchup to look forward to, and no exception against Athens Academy. Yeah, Wesleyan's loaded up the schedule with some talented uh, football teams, and uh, I think it's probably, probably the, a lot of the case that the, a lot of folks don't want to play Wesleyan because they're a powerhouse, and, and ditto with Athens Academy. It's probably tough to schedule uh, some of these Class A teams that don't want to play a, a team that's as powerful as these two teams. But I think, I think it makes an interesting matchup. Both these teams are very good. Wesleyan's 4-1, uh, Athens Academy's 5-0. and uh, I think you can make a strong case that this could be a game of the week, uh, a lot of weeks in Gwinnett County. Uh, Athens is the number one team in the state for good reason. Uh, I know Wesleyan's looking to play a lot better than it did two weeks ago. They had a bye last week. To uh, After losing to Prince Avenue Christian, they had a bye last week. Kind of prepare for this Athens Academy game. I think they're looking to play a cleaner game, and uh, I think they will. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. I think uh, Wesleyan, state runner-up last year, can, can give Athens Academy a challenge. Speaking of Prince Avenue Christian, uh, Athens school, they play Hebrew and Christian. So uh, Prince Avenue got Wesleyan, now they get Hebron. So they're Kind of doing a check mark of all the private Gwinnett County schools on their schedule. Yeah, that's a tough. Uh, speaking of tough schedules, I think Hebron's kind of lined up a pretty tough schedule as well. Uh, they've played some real powerhouse teams so far early in the season. Uh, Prince Avenue's only lost one game. They lost to Raven County uh, back in early September. Uh, and Hebron kind of ran into a number one team, that number one Athens Academy team last week, losing 35 to seven. Uh, so it's going to be a tough task for for Prince Avenue or for uh, Hebron. It's going to be just as tough as last week, I think. Uh, playing against Athens Academy. Hebron's really going to have to or play well, not make mistakes, and, and hope to hang in there. Uh, but I think it's going to be a tough task. Uh, uh, Brock Vandergriff's one of the best players in the state of Georgia, uh, Georgia commit. So uh, it's going to be tough to stop him for this, this Hebron defense. So I think, uh, I think probably Prince Avenue gets the win here, but hopefully Hebron can play well and keep it close. And lastly, Providence Christian still looking for their first win of the year. They're going to face Athens Christian uh, this weekend. And uh, just Providence Christian, you think they can uh, get that first win of the year and, uh, and you know, get on the, the score and get on the winning board? Uh, I think so. I think it's uh, – I know Athens Christian's 3-2 and two and has a better record, but, but Providence has played some very tough opponents the last several games. Uh, Providence actually beat Athens Christian a couple of years ago and uh, played a reasonably close last the game last year with these two teams. So I think it's, it's a winnable game. Uh, Providence had, had, had a bye to kind of get ready for it and, and fix the mistakes that it had early in the season. So I look for Providence to show its best and, and, and have a chance to win this game. I know uh, Athens Christian started 3-0 and they've lost the last two games. Uh, they're trying to get some momentum going too. But uh, I think the, the bye week's going to help Providence a lot and, and make them competitive this week. As a supporter of a county and personally on a team that I've been on some losing teams over the years, football is a very rough sport to go winless in. So hopefully Providence Christian can find a way to get a win against Athens Christian. We're going to take one final break, and when we return, Georgia scores a big win against another rival, and our NFL spotlight is on a former Blue Devil in the city that never sleeps. Here on the Gwinnett Daily Post Football Friday Podcast. This is Jay and Lewis, owners of Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Lewis, what should a homeowner do if they have a crack in their block wall, corner of their door, window, or concrete foundation? Well, Jay, if it's a diagonal crack, this lets us know that they should be concerned and there could be a serious problem. 
Then they should call our office at 678-ESOG-NOW and set up an appointment to have one of our qualified professional technicians come out to their property to take a look at the problem. I'm consumer investigator Dale Cardwell. I've done the research already, so you don't have to. You can trust Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Give Engineered Solutions of Georgia a call at 678-ESOG-NOW. Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Marcel Pertut with Will Hammock from the Gwinnett Daily Post. Let's move on to college football. Uh, Georgia scored a huge win over Tennessee, a, a big rival for them after beating Auburn the past the, the week before that. So the Bulldogs are pretty much rolling right now, and we, they have the Alabama coming up this weekend. But let's break down the Tennessee contest. Very close affair in the first half, but once the second half started up, Georgia seemed to overpower the Vols and a pretty dominant win uh, for the rest of the way. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Georgia's turned out to be a pretty good second-half team. I think you saw that against Arkansas, and the opener really turned it on there in the second half. And, and Tennessee really had no answer for, for Georgia in the second half, just really turned it on uh, in the second half. and got gave them nice momentum going into this week. It's obviously a huge test uh, over at Alabama, so it's going to be uh, an interesting game, obviously one of the games of the week in college football, and uh, going to be fun for all of us to watch. It's very interesting because we'll get to Georgia Tech, and they're playing Clemson uh, this Saturday. seems like the local teams, Georgia and Georgia Tech, are facing teams that they're, I will never say they're inferior to, but teams that they're aspiring to get to, or at least over the past few years. Alabama, we know the history with Georgia and the SEC championship games and the national championship game a few years ago. So this seems like it's a really big benchmark for the the Bulldogs. And also – we. Uh, we talk about it every week as well, a recruiting battle. <laughs> Auburn and Georgia, yeah. Tennessee and Georgia, and Al- they all recruit the same guys from this great state, and for particularly in the Gwinnett County area. So uh, this will be a very big test for the, the, the Bulldogs heading to Alabama. Yeah, you can bet there's going to be a lot of eyes on this game for those reasons. I think a lot of recruits are going to be keeping an eye on this game to see what plays out. And uh, they know a lot of kids that play in this game. And and also are very interested in going to these schools. So it's going to be big on the recruiting front. I think it took uh, the, the story took another turn this week, obviously, with Nick Saban uh, being diagnosed with, with COVID-19. That kind of uh, threw a little bit of a curveball into everything. How him was going to handle that? And I guess Steve Sarkeesian is the guy that's in charge now for the moment uh, until they figure out what's going on with Coach Saban. So it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out. Uh, I know they make a big deal with the uh, – Saving coaching against his former assistants and being unbeaten. So I don't know if it counts if he's not able to coach in the game and, uh, mm-hmm. and Georgia wins. They get credit for that if he's not on the sidelines. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the next few days. Yeah, and, and as, a record, as, a, as of the recording, the game is taking place. But first of all, hopefully Coach Saban and, and all of Alabama. The, the, the And the thing is, with what we talked about with the high school, it's not – well, hopefully Coach Saban is, is healthy and well. But the tentacles of this expand beyond the, the, the coaches, the players, the staff, uh, everything like that. So hopefully all is well for Alabama on and off the field preparing for that contest on Saturday. Georgia Tech, we'll get to that Clemson contest in a moment, but national TV, very big win over Louisville. And you're starting to see the young players on that team uh, maturate and mature. I saw a lot of development from the freshmen and the sophomores on that team that Coach Collins has been recruiting Big showing for them uh, against Louisville. 
yeah, Coach Collins is getting his guys in there now, and it's, it's starting to show, like you said, with those young kids that are, that are playing well. Sims at quarterback, Jameer Gibbs at running back. They, they've been really impressive already this season, and um, just a great effort in Louisville. Uh, talked about Georgia being a second-half team. Uh, Georgia Tech really turned it on in the second half here against Louisville and got a huge win to, to kind of gain some attention, uh, get right back on the right track. I know they slipped up a couple of weeks uh, in a row there, but kind of get them back on the right track going into a huge showdown with Clemson. Speaking of the Tigers there, them in Alabama – Top two teams probably over the past few years. The Tigers come into town and pretty much a de facto home game for for the Tigers. And I, I say that laughingly, but if you look at the roster of Clemson, we've talked about it before, so many Georgia players on their roster and players from uh, Gwinnett County have matriculated through there. Uh, so this, is, in essence, is kind of a – it is in Atlanta. It's, it's in the flats. But uh, this is a game where Clemson, I'm sure – I know the rules are different and we're in a new era – but I'm sure a lot of eyes will be on this contest for a lot of Georgia uh, recruits for the Clemson Tigers. And there's a lot of Georgia people on that uh, that roster that are coming back to play a home game, like you said. Uh, it, even for Gwinnett, we have a, a big handful of th- guys that are over there at Clemson, and, and you extend that to other parts of Georgia. Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback, it's kind of a homecoming game for him, uh, having played up in Cartersville. So there's going to be a lot of eyes and a lot of fans uh, around this area that are, that are rooting for Clemson. Uh, to win that game, even though it's a, a game at Georgia Tech. Just so many kids locally that are involved in that game uh, that have become Clemson fans because of what they have going over there. Um, I, I know for Gwinnett guys, there's several guys over there making plays, uh, including Andrew Booth at cornerback. He's been one of the great players ready for Clemson this season, had some highlight plays, uh, pass breakups and interceptions. So he's a, he's a mag- magnificent player. I uh, look forward to seeing him doing huge things for Clemson and uh, Clemson's probably got just too much talent. I like to see Georgia Tech make this one close for a little bit, but I, I just see Clemson winning this one pretty handily. I, I have to agree with you on that one, but it is a showcase game for a lot of current and former Georgia prep players that have, have done a lot of good things. Any other local standouts from the past week that you saw from Gwinnett County doing it on the college level? Yeah, I think uh, my guy Markwell Broughton continues to play well for Army. Uh, he's, he's a Mountain View grad. He's an excellent wrestler when he's a Mountain View, excellent football player, and he's, he's getting it done up there. He's having a breakout season at Army. I got to talk to him this week uh, for a story. He's doing really well uh, in all facets of his life up there. He's doing well academically, and he's doing uh, doing well on the football field. He's second leading tackler for Army and uh, has become a leader on that team as well. If you, if you look at any of the uh, the games and the pictures of the, the games, he's a guy that's getting his uh, teammates fired up and – He's just a sophomore, but he's kind of earned a leadership role already in that football program. I am glad you mentioned a service academy player because I wanted to bring this topic up last week. I've noticed that Navy, Army, even Air Force, the, the team, the service academies that play football, recruit Georgia pretty heavily, and Gwinnett is not an exception to that. Two things. One, what is it about? Do they, do they the service academies like that the players? What, what attracts them uh, to the players from Gwinnett? And and two, what's that recruiting process like? I'm sure you're able. You've talked to some guys over the years. It's not the traditional route that you might think of most guys. It's a multi-year intensive process to get a guy to go to Army, uh, Navy, or Air Force. Yeah, they're looking for a really specific type of kid. It's kind of like the the way the Ivy League. Uh, Ivy League schools recruit they, they, a certain brand of kid that they want. Uh, obviously, to go to one of the service academies, you have to be a pretty high ad- academic kid. Uh, you, even if they send you through the prep school, you got you got to be able to to do it academically and, and get the work done done up there. And not only that, you got to live the military lifestyle. So 
they're looking for a, a smart kid and looking for a kid that's going to work hard and a kid that's going to do well with the discipline of the military uh, and all that comes with that. Obviously, it's a great opportunity for these kids to go up there. But uh, they know coming into a county like Gwinnett, you're going to get a lot of kids in a in a very. I mean, this is a huge county with 24 high schools, so you have a pretty big sample of players here. So you're that type of kid that they're looking for, the high academic kids, the uh, that are also very good football players. So uh, every every year you see two, three, four uh, players from Gwinnett going to each of the service academies for, to play football. So it's it's been a pipeline down here, and I think it's going to continue to do that in, in the coming years. Yeah, I've, I've over the years of covering the the sports, and when, when I said the multiple multiple process of recruiting, it goes beyond just talk to the coach and looking at the, you know the GPA or getting a transcript. You have to get approval from you know different people. You have to go through some physical tests. Uh, it's a very intensive process that really starts sophomore junior year if you really want to you know make that go that route. Uh, do you do you talk to coaches about that? I've just said that they. When they're dealing with service academies, it just is a lot more work as far as the recruiting process than uh, another school, a non-service academy? Yeah, definitely so. I think that there's a lot, like you said, a lot more background uh, checks and information that you, you want to have on these kids. Uh, you, friends are up to, and not not super different than what a lot, of, a lot of colleges do when they look into what type of kids they're dealing with. But it's definitely an interesting type of kid they're looking for. Um, and is a lot more involved in, in the background checks and, and are they going to be able to handle the rigors that we're about to put them through and, and how, how do they handle hard, hard work, how they handle adversity, that sort of thing. It's a, it's, it's a big factor in whether they take a kid or not and offer them to a, to a service academy. And lastly, our NFL spotlight, you wanted to highlight a New York Giants linebacker, a Norcross alum, that was doing some big things, suffered an injury, but we won't focus on that so much, but who is your NFL spotlight on uh, this week? Yeah, Lorenzo Carter from the, the New York Giants. He's a, he's a former star player at Norcross. He, he played basketball and football there and was an excellent player. And uh, certainly a lot, a lot of fans around here know him from the University of Georgia uh, playing over there. But uh, he, he's been playing great. He's an athletic kid, always been a big-time athlete. And uh, he tore his Achilles this past week, which, which we hate to see. But that's kind of been a, a trend in the NFL so far early in the season. We've been seeing a lot of, a lot of torn Achilles so far, uh, C.J., He's on of the Bengals tight end from North Gwinnett. He did, he did that recently as well. So, and uh, it's just been a rash of those Achilles injuries. I don't know if that has something to do with the, the different kind of training that, that was going on this year with COVID or not, but uh, it, it just seems like there's been quite a few lately. So I hated to see that happen for Lorenzo. I think he was ready to take that ne- next step in his career uh, to, to become a big-time player, and, and he was on his way to doing that, I think. And uh, So hopefully he'll bounce back quickly. I know the Achilles injuries are – are tough to come back from. I've done that myself uh, a couple times. So just uh, mm-hmm. hope, hope to see him back in a 100% and, and back on the football field. He was really working his way into the lineup for the Giants. And I remember his recruitment process. Obviously, he's, every school in the country wanted him, and he stayed locally with the, the Bulldogs in Georgia. And it seemed like it took a little bit of time for him to develop that consistency. But by the time he became an upperclassman, you really saw him develop and it seemed like it was the same deal in the NFL, where it was a slower start, but he was really getting some good playing time there. And yeah, tough to see that injury uh, for him, uh, but that, I think that he he can bounce back and develop and improve that. Uh, but what about we'll go back to the high school days? What was it like? Because he obviously was a big basketball guy as well. Was there a, a situation where he was going to try to play both, or maybe just do basketball? What was that recruitment process like for him to go? From Norcross to college, 
Yeah, I think when he, when he was younger, when he was in middle school, maybe the, the first year or so of high school, I think he thought he was a basketball player. And he, was, <laughs> he was a very good basketball player. He, he was definitely a very good basketball player throughout his career, and he could have, could have played that at the college level, but his basketball ceiling was not nearly as high as his football ceiling. And, uh, and just when you see a lot of those guys, when you see them on the basketball court, you can see how they're gonna how it's gonna translate to the football field. Just the, the skills he had, the athletic ability he had, uh, how long his arms were, and then you, you watch him run out there in the football field. I think uh, I liken it to, to Cameron Hayward from the Steelers when he played back at Peachtree Ridge. Just seeing him play on the on the basketball court, you could tell uh, he had the athletic ability to be a big time defensive lineman in the NFL, and that's that's kind of become true for him. And I think the same can be said for Lorenzo. Just uh, his athletic ability is off the chart, and. Uh, I think he'll bounce back with this, no problem, and uh, and start to get that career going again. Yeah, and this will be the last thing about it. You, you're not. It's not basketball season yet. We're getting closer than you realize if you look at the calendar. But are you starting to see yeah. more? You have so much experience in in covering prep sports, especially in Gwinnett County. Are you starting to see more guys make that decision freshman sophomore year, where it's like, okay, I kind of have to make that choice where I can. Maybe be a five star, maybe achieve a bigger level in one sport than the other. Or are you still seeing some guys out there? I'm not talking. I know smaller schools you see a lot more of it, but when you get to six A and seven A, are you starting to see guys become more specialized once they get to sophomore, junior year, and the recruiting really starts picking up for them? Uh, I think it's definitely the case. I think uh, I think the, I don't know whether it's the kids, the kids, the parents, the coaches who who's forcing them to be more specialized, but. Uh, you definitely see it a lot more where kids are just leaning more towards one sport and doing that. Um, I, I don't like to see it. Uh, I think it's great, great for the kids to enjoy their high school experience and and, and play multiple sports. And uh, a lot of the most successful guys in pro sports are, are, are guys that played play more than one sport growing up. And and it's really uh, I know a lot, of, a lot of people stress this, but it, it's good for your body too to play. You have different kind of movements in different sports, so, um, and it works different parts of your body. So. If you're doing the same sport year-round, it kind of wears and wears on certain parts of your body. So if you take a break from your sport to, to kind of do another sport, I think it's good for your body in the long term uh, when it comes to injuries and that sort of thing. And and not only that, these kids need to have fun. And if they're enjoying playing a sport, uh, let them play both and, and have fun with both. Thank you for listening to the Gwinnett Daily Post Football Friday podcast, your hyper-local news on the run. Thank you to Will for joining us, as well as our sponsors, Carriage Kia, Peggy Slappy Properties, Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and Tacoa Falls. Grab a copy of today's paper and visit GwinnettDailyPost.com for complete details on the stories we've discussed, plus more stories that affect you and residents of Gwinnett County. Subscribe and share this podcast to get all of the latest updates. And if you have a comment or question, we'd love to hear it. Just call the podcast comment line at 404 404- 997-8655. We might even share your comment on an upcoming show. The Gwinnett Daily Post podcast is produced by BGI Group, Marcel Purdue producer, Jacob Sutherland director. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Brought to you by Tacoa Falls College in Tacoa Falls, Georgia. For more information on TFC, call 706-886-7299 or visit them online at tfc.edu. That's tfc.edu. Since 1907, TFC, glorifying God through seeking and developing leaders who will impact the world for Jesus Christ.